Part two, chapter twelve of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part two, chapter twelve. Walking in the garden, Vinitius poured out to Lygia in burning words all that he had previously confessed to the apostle, the unrest of his soul, the change he had undergone, and all that infinite longing which had haunted him since he had left Miriam's house. He owned that he had tried to forget her, but could not. Days and nights had he thought of her, that little cross of boxwood branches which she had left for him, and which he had deposited in his sanctuary, to be adored against his will as something sacred, had been a constant reminder of her. And the longing had increased with every moment, for love was stronger than he, and had possessed his soul, even from his first sight of her at the home of the Auli. The fates spun the thread of life for others, but for him love and melancholy had spun it. His very evil actions had their origin in love. He had loved her at the Aulis and on the Palatine, he had loved her when he saw her at Ostranium listening to Peter, when with Croto's help he had sought to carry her off, when she had watched at his bedside, and when she had fled from him then chilo came with news that he had discovered her abode and suggested that he once more try to carry her off but he preferred to punish chilo and seek the apostles to ask them for light and for lygia blessed be the moment when he entertained the thought for now he was by her side and no more would she flee from him as she had fled from the house of miriam i did not flee from thee said lygia then why didst thou leave me she lifted her blue eyes to his, then bowed her blushing face, and murmured, Thou knowest. Vinitius was silent from very excess of joy. Then he sought to explain to her how his eyes had slowly opened to the fact that she was entirely different from Roman women, save only Pomponia. Yet he could not express this fully, for he could not define his own feelings that in her person a new strange beauty had entered the world a beauty that was not a mere statue but a soul he told enough to fill her with happiness for he made her understand that he loved her for the very reason that she had fled from him and that she would be sacred to him at his hearthstone he seized her hand he could speak no further he could only gaze upon her in ecstasy as upon the recovered joy of his life and repeat her name as if to assure himself that he had again found her and that she was by his side o lygia o lygia at last he fell to inquiring of her all that had gone on in her soul she confessed that she had loved him from the time she had first met him at the auli and that if he had restored her to them on the palatine she would have confessed that love and striven to soften their anger against him i swear to thee said vinitius that it never entered my mind to take thee from the auli petronius will sometime assure thee that even then i informed him that i loved thee and wished to marry thee let her anoint my door with wolf-grease i said to him and take her seat at my hearth but he laughed at me and suggested to caesar that he demand thee as a hostage and hand thee over to me often have i cursed him in my anguish but it may have been a favouring star which ordained it thus for otherwise i should never have known the christians nor understood thee believe me marcus answered lygia it was christ who so ordained it to lead thee to himself Vinitius lifted his head in some astonishment. 
"'Tis true,' he said brightly, "'for all things worked themselves out so strangely that in seeking thee I found the Christians. In Ostronium I listened thunderstruck to the Apostle. Never had I heard such words before. And thou wert praying for me?' "'Yes.' They passed the ivy-covered arbor, approaching the spot where Ursus, after strangling Croto, had fallen upon Vinitius. "'Here I should have perished but for thee,' said the young man. "'Forget all that, and never recall it to Ursus. Could I seek vengeance on him for his defense of thee? Were he a slave, I would free him forthwith. Had he been a slave, the Auli would long since have freed him.' rememberest thou continued vinitius that i would have restored thee to the auli but thou didst fear that caesar might hear of it and wreak his vengeance on the auli take thought of this that now thou mayest see them as often as thou wishest how marcus i say now for i think that thou mayest without danger see them when thou art mine yea for when caesar learns of thy visits and asks what i have done with the hostage he entrusted me i will answer him she is my wife and visits the auli at my wish his stay in antium will be short for he wishes to go to achaea but even should he remain longer i shall not have to call on him every day after paul of tarsus has completed his instructions in your creed i shall receive baptism and shall return here and receive the friendship of the auli there will be no further obstacles in our way i will set thee by my hearth o oh, dearest dearest he raised his hand heavenwards as if to make god a witness to his love lygia lifting her shining eyes to him said and then i shall say where thou art caius there am i caia no lygia i swear that never was woman so honored in her husband's home as thou shalt be in mine they walked in silence as though unable to realize fully their own happiness in their deep love they seemed a pair of gods as beautiful as though spring had brought them forth into the world with the flowers at length they stood under the cypress growing by the door of the dwelling lygia leaned against its trunk vinitius implored her with a trembling voice tell ursus to go to the auli's home and bring therefrom thy belongings and thy childhood's toys blushing like a rose or like the dawn she replied custom dictates otherwise i know that it is customary for a matron to bear these behind a bride but do thou this for me i will take them with me to my villa in antium and they will serve as constant reminders of thee here he clasped his hands together and with the manner of a child begging for something repeated pomponia will soon return therefore do this my divinity do this my best beloved let pomponia do as she wishes said lygia blushing still further at the mention of a bridal ceremony again they were silent love deprived them of utterance lygia still leaned against the cypress her face whitening in the shadow like a flower her eyes downcast her breast heaving more rapidly vinitius's face changed a pallor overspread it in the noonday stillness they heard the throbbing of their own hearts and in their mental ecstasy the cypress the myrtle bushes and the ivy of the arbor were strangely transformed as though this were the garden of love miriam standing in the threshold awoke them by her call to the midday meal the pair sat down with the apostles who gazed on them with joy as representatives of the young generation which after their death should preserve and spread still further the seeds of the new religion peter broke and blessed the bread p 
peace shone in every face a great happiness seemed to pervade the whole room see said paul turning to vinitius are we enemies of love and joy i know the truth now for never have i been so happy as i have been with you end of part two chapter twelve